This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hi, and welcome to Tia and Tehillim. This class is sponsored by Eloy Nishmas Yisrael Dov Ben Yehuda Tzvi. He was a brilliant Talmud Chacham who was giving Torah classes to thousands of people, yet he was so humble, and also a big Baltzaka, who people knew that, that they could always count on. He loved Eretz Yisrael, he loved his children and grandchildren beyond measure, and it is a schus for me to be dedicating this important class to this very special man. This class is going to be um, a preparation for all of us, a very practical preparation for the Yom Noraim. And I, I knew this man, and he indeed was as special as he sounds. And it is a schus for me to be able to give over this class, Li'iloi Nishmaso. Okay, so from the time that we were little, from when we were in preschool, in Beis Yaakov, or not in Beis Yaakov, we've been learning about the three steps to tshuva. And vidoi, charata, aziva, sachet. And those steps were supposed to, supposedly, were supposed to make things very clear to us. We were supposed to know what to do with them. But I, for one, always felt a little bit fuzzy, a little unclear about what my actual work was supposed to be during Elo. So maybe I needed remedial help. I probably did need remedial help. But I think even those of us who didn't need remedial help, it's still something that a lot of us struggled with. Like, what exactly does this mean for me? What does tshuva mean in my life? What am I supposed to actually be busy with doing today? And that's what this class is going to address. What can I do right now, today, so that I could be zocha to have a happy and healthy new year? Very important question. And I really believe and I hope and it's my intention that this class is going to be able to put all of us on the right path towards this goal. So the parak that we're going to be learning is parak Pevav, parak chapter 86. And this parak, actually, I, you know, I was having a hard time figuring out. To me, the hardest part about planning these classes was always which parak should I teach next. That's always the biggest thing for me. Once I know which parak I'm teaching, I have my svarim, I have my sources, it's all pretty much laid out for me. But until I get there, it's difficult. So I decided I had a great idea. I said, you know what, whoever sponsors the classes from now on, they'll be the ones to choose the parak that we do next. And this was a great idea because this happens to be a beautiful parak and the sponsor of this parak asked for it. She actually recommended that, asked that, you know, we do this particular parak. By the way, you also could sponsor a class and choose the parak that is meaningful to you, choose the parak that you love. And you could do this by contacting me through my website, yalbertram.com. I look forward, you know, you could also contact me there just for questions and comments. I love hearing from all of you, and I love connecting with you. Okay, so I asked her, the person who sponsored this class, I asked her why she chose this particular parak. I figured it would be nice to share it with the audience. Why? And she said she really doesn't know why. She started saying this parak in high school, and since then, something about it just touches her very deep, in a very, very deep way, and she's been turning to it every chance she gets since she's a teenager and she doesn't even know she says she doesn't even know why she doesn't even know what what it means she never even looked up what it means so i took a look 
I took a look at the parak, and indeed it's a beautiful parak, and I'm honored to shed light on it for her, for me, for all of us in this class. And I don't think she realized when she recommended this parak that it really does tie in so closely with this time of year. Because here in Perak Pevav, David is asking for protection against his arch enemy, Sha'ol, who is his most dangerous enemy. And we read last week in, when we learned L'David Hashem Ori V'yish'i, we learned there that that Perak is also a, you know, a Perak of David Davening to be saved from his enemies. And we spoke about the connection between enemies and Elul. And we said that when we're working on ourselves during the month of Elul, there's so many different things that are trying to hold us back. So many quote-unquote enemies that get in our way. So just, just like David is expressing his bitachon, that Hashem is going to save him from his enemies, we also are expressing our trust that Hashem is going to help us do tshuva. So we spoke about the connection between enemies and Elul, and that applies here too. This whole parak is talking about uh, being saved from his enemies. And also he talks here in this parak a lot about the praising Hashem and glorifying his name, which is what we do on Rosh Hashanah. We, we crown Hashem as our king. And also he talks about the Midos HaRachamim and, and Slicha, forgiveness. So it's very much connected with Elul and with the Yom Noraim. So let's look into this parak and take a lesson from David and see, you know, when we ask ourselves, what should we be focusing on during this time of year? Well, we can ask ourselves, what is David focusing on when he's asking for mercy? and salvation. Had, what is he doing to try to merit it? And from this parak, we're going to extract two specific tangible things that we could do to merit good judgment and a happy productive year. And we're going to specifically learn how to use our dormant talents that are lying, very often lying dormant within us. And we're going to learn how to use our greatest struggles, both our talents and our struggles, to take us to great heights now, starting from Elul and throughout the year. So look inside the Parak Parak Pevav Pasuk Aleph, Tfilah Ladavid, Hate Hashem Aznacha, Aneni Ki Ani Ve'evion Ani, a prayer of David. So here he's davening, incline your ear, answer me, for I am poor and needy. So there are other places where we see that it says in Tanach, Hate Aznacha, it uses this Lashon, but afterwards it always says Shema. Incline your ear and listen, which would make sense to ask Hashem to listen. But Aneni, to asking for us to be answered, that's like Hashem's prerogative. That's on him. That's on him. So it's interesting that this time when we see Hatei Aznacha, it says Aneni, answer me. And the reason for this is because clearly David here is in a very dangerous situation. Ani the Evion Ani, he's destitute. Meaning, yes, he's the king of Kal Yisrael and he's wealthy, but right now in the situation that he's in, wherever he's in, in a cave or in a valley or wherever he is, he's destitute. He means he's relying on other people to bring him food, to bring him provisions, to sneak it to him. He's in trouble. And because he's destitute and he's in trouble, Aneni, answer me. I don't have to time for like niceties like no aneni answer me i'm in trouble i need your help right now so we see from here that he's in a dire situation so he's giving now all kinds of reasons why hashem should answer him he's saying ki ani ani answer me because you have rachamim and i'm in trouble pasuk bays shamra nafshi ki ani watch guard my soul because i'm a chassid because i'm pious because i'm devout so the Radak says, it's interesting, the Radak says here, you know, we, we're going to, we're going to, inevitably, we're going to look at this and we're going to say, what? David's supposed to be the most humble man. He always talks about Hanani, that Hashem should, should, 
you know, should give him rachamim bechinam just just for free because he doesn't feel like he's worthy of it. All of a sudden now he's saying chasidani that I'm pious and I'm great. And the radak says, don't be surprised that he's saying this, and don't don't accuse him or be suspicious that he's that he's bragging because it's he's not inflating his ego with air. He indeed is extraordinarily devout. He is. He he may have erred occasionally, but he right away repented and he dusted himself off and he reconnected with Hashem. His enemies who sought to kill him and they were constantly going after him, he all he wished for was for their welfare. He was happy for them to be successful at whatever they wanted in life. Additionally, another way that we see what a chassid David HaMelech was, was that as a king, he tried that he really intended very much to, to stand apart from the Gentile monarchs who were just, you know, really power hungry. And he really very much tried to remain a spiritual leader and to, to do everything that he did as a vehicle, L'Shem Shamayim, and, and to be the, the right type of melech and the right type of example. So he really was a chassid. And he's not bragging here. What he's doing is, is he's trying to get Hashem's rachamim. He's saying, Hashem, you are mida keneged mida. It says, im chassid tis chassad. A person who's a chassid gets treated like a chassid. So he's really begging here desperately, please treat me the way I treat you. It's not out of a, a bragging, you know, it's not coming from a place of bragging. It's coming from asking for rachamim. So that's another reason he's saying, answer me, because I'm a chassid. He also, in this pasuk, he's saying, answer me. Answer me because I trust in you. And that we know, that, that we see clearly again and again, that he has lots of bitachon, constantly working to strengthen it. Have mercy on me, for I call to you all day long. So this is another reason he's saying, have mercy on me, because I call to you. And the Alshech says something very nice here. He says, why is he saying I call, what does he mean, I call you all day. What's he trying to, what's he trying to specify here? And what he's trying to say is that, he's saying, Hashem, you made the imahos wait to have children. Why? Because you were misava l'tfila san shal tzadikin. You wanted, you were desiring to hear the tefillah of the tzaddik, so you made them wait for their Yeshua. He's saying here, uh-uh, don't play this game with me. Please, Chaneni, I need help right now. I'm in a very difficult situation, and you don't have to worry that once you give me what I need, I'm going to stop davening to you. You're always going to have my tefillah. Whether things are good in the nighttime, in the daytime, I'm always going to be calling out to you. So don't make me wait like you made, you know, those other tzaddikim wait because you desire their tefillah. Pasuk Dalid. Sameach nefesh avdecha ki elacha Hashem nafshi esa. Bring joy to your servant's life. For on you, Hashem, um, because to you, Hashem, I lift my soul. So from here, we're going to learn the first practical tool that we should be taking with us now as we approach the Yom Noran. Rav Hirsch says that Sameach Nefesh Simchas HaNefesh is not a regular type of happiness. It's a, it's a soul type of happiness. Sameach Nefesh is a happiness that is independent of any external circumstances. And it's based on a person fulfilling what he's meant to be doing here. It's based on a soul feeling elevated spiritually and morally. And so that's what he's saying here. He's saying, give me that, that inner happiness that comes from fulfillment, 
and from knowing that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing here. And not for selfish reasons, because I want to be happy, but because my whole life is about lifting up my soul to you. And what does this mean? The Noah Tehilo says that lifting up my soul to you means to lift one's, it means to activate all of a person's talents, energies, and abilities in order to come closer to Hashem. So he's saying, let me feel fulfilled. Let me use all of my potential that I have and really feel the happiness that comes along with it so that I could be dedicating it to you so that I could be using it L'Shem Shamayim. So I want to give you a personal example here. It's, it's not always easy to get personal. I don't know how many people are listening to this class, and it's definitely a vulnerable position to be in. But I think it's worthwhile for me to give you a personal um, story, because I think a lot of you are going to be able to relate to this. So I was at a shir, uh, a class a while back, and the speaker was somebody that I really enjoy listening to. And I've heard him many times on different, in different places, on Torah Anytime, or a different, you know, wherever it was. But I never actually heard him speak um, in person. So I, was, I really was having a hard time listening to the class because in my head I'm thinking, I just want to talk to him. Like, I need to go over to him after class. I need to ask him for some perspective and some hadracha. And I went over to talk to him. And I, after I said, you know, do you have a few minutes? And he was very nice. And he said, sure. And I explained to him that, you know, I feel like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little conflicted, and I don't know what to do about it. I said, I, I have a rut zone to speak. I love to speak publicly. I love to connect with people. I love to teach. I love to share my heart and soul with others. But the thing is that, you know, although this feels like my calling, it feels like what I really want to do from the bottom of my heart, at the same time, I learned from such a young age that you don't, you don't put yourself out there so much. You, you, you have to be humble. You want to be humble, especially as a woman. I should be tzniyas. So it's kind of against all the values that I surrounded myself with my whole life. And not only that, but like just on a personal level, like on a selfish level, the, to open yourself up to speak in front of people is opening yourself up to a lot of judgment. Who knows what people are thinking in their head when I'm speaking? And it can make you feel very self-conscious, very insecure. So I told him, I have a hard time. I know I have this talent, Baruch Hashem. I want to use it in the right way, but I'm scared. And I feel like maybe it's not the right thing. There's a part of me that feels like, why, why am I worthy of standing up there in front of everyone else? I'm no better than anyone else. And they're all going to be thinking that about me. Like, what's she doing up there? And I was really stuck with all these thoughts in my head. And he just what he answered me was really very basic, but life-changing. And what he said, he looked at me and he said, it's not about you. He said, none of this has anything to do with you. If you're going to stand up at the podium and think that it's all about you, you're going to be self-conscious. You're going to come up with a million excuses why you can't do it. And you're limited and you're not, you're not qualified. And people are going to think you're crazy. He said, but if you shift your focus and you reframe and you recognize that ki Hashem nafshi esa, right here in this pasuk, if you recognize that you're here to lift all of your talents and all of your abilities and energies to serve Hashem and to get closer and to become a better person and to help everyone around you, to help others live elevated lives, to spread the light of Hashem in this world, it's a whole different story. You're not going to be stuck in your head anymore. When you when you make that reframe and you make that shift, everything changes. And it was so true. And this really did have a huge impact. 
and it, it, it opened up doors for me and it allowed me to feel more comfortable using what I have with Shem Shamayim. So what I did was recently, um, you know, I, as I actually, as I was preparing this class, I called up a friend. I have a friend who's way more talented than me and way smarter and way more beautiful and influential and all the good things. And she's just very, very humble, very, very, very humble, almost to a fault where she just can't understand why people are coming to her for advice, can't understand why she has any sort of influence on anybody. And I explained to her, I said, listen, she's a good friend of mine. And I, I, and I recognize, you know, she's been through a lot in her life and she stood herself up and she dusted herself off and she moved on like, like, like a champion. And I said to her, people have to learn from you. People have to see this. You have all the kochos of a person who could influence others. You have an achrayas. It's not about you. And I repeated what this man said, what the speaker said. I said, it's not about you. It's about you being a vehicle for others. And to spread the light of Hashem in this world. And she really, I think she was Makabal. I hope she was. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm going to continue on with this story in a minute. But first I want to get to all of you. All of my wonderful listeners who are here to grow, who are here to, you know, to really make a difference in their life. So I want to ask you, what have you been wanting to do? What have you been shoving and pushing under the rug and saying, "Ugh, I can't do this. Other people are going to judge me. I'm not good enough for it. It's never going to work. Uh, I'm going to feel dumb. It's out of my league. What have you been shoving and pushing down under the rug and not allowing yourself to do that? What's that calling inside of you? And we all have a koach. What's that koach that you have that you haven't been allowing to come to the surface? So I want you to consider that for a minute. And what I'm going to teach you now what to do with it. What you're going to do is you're going to keep this new perspective in mind that I just taught you. This idea of being a vehicle, of viewing it in that way. And, and that it's not about you. It's about using what you have to serve Hashem. And through that new perspective, through keeping that in mind, answer the following two questions. Number one, where would you like to see yourself? When, by the time we get to next year, Rosh Hashanah, by the time the next new year comes around, where do you want to have reached? What, what do you want to see yourself doing when it comes to this specific talent that you have inside of you? And the second thing is you're going to ask yourself, what now that I have that specific image and make it as specific as possible, you're going to ask, what is the next action step I need to take to get there? Just the next step from where I am now, where do I need to go next? And hopefully with that intention of reaching that goal and the first step that you take, hopefully it will just continue and continue in the right direction. So I called up, you know, and I like to give examples to illustrate my points. I called up, of course, this friend who I had given this whole, you know, speech to. And I told her, you're a vehicle. You have to step up to the plate. And I said to her, you know what? Can I do this process with you? I want to show, <clears throat> I want to give over an example of, of this process that I'm teaching, these two questions that I want everyone to ask themselves. And she was so excited. She said, sure, like this is a great way to get myself going. Very practical way to get herself going. And I said, okay. So I said, number one, where would you like to see yourself by next year Rosh Hashanah? And I was floored because this is a person who is humble, like I said, to a fault. Very, very humble, very, does not think anything of herself. And she said, 
I would be reaching hundreds of people, teaching them what I know. And, and I said, and how would you be doing that? Because you need to get specific. And she said, I would do it through an online course that I'd like to create. And I want to have live, more live. She teaches people in her home, but she wants to have more live groups, bigger groups. And, and then I said, okay, and what is the next action step that you need to take to be able to get there? And she said she needs to make an outline for her online course so she knows what each course is going to be about. That's the first step. And for her live courses, she wants to create a flyer. And, you know, so she could send that around to publicize her class. So those were her two steps. So I ask you all, when we finish this class, and don't wait because then it might never happen. When we finish this class, sit down and ask yourself these same two questions and get on the path towards Eilach HaShem Nafshi Esa. Pasuk Hei. Ki Ata HaShem Tov V'Salach V'Rav Chesed L'Chol Karecha. For you are good and forgiving, full of chesed to all who, all who call on you. So ordinarily, when if somebody makes us upset, and they ask us forgiveness, hopefully we forgive them, but that doesn't mean that we forget what happened. And often we don't, and we maybe even try to avoid them. And But with Hashem, it says, um, The minute we call out to Him, he not only does He forgive us, but He showers us with abundant kindness. So, it seems redundant. Give ear to my prayer. And heed, and, and, and heed uh, my techinos. My so the Malbim says it's not redundant. He says it's specifically here, these two things, to teach us a very important lesson. He says tefillah and tachanunim are two separate things. Tefillah is an outpouring of the soul, the soul that's pining to burst out of its physical confinement and connect with its source above, with Hashem. And tchina is, is like a bakashas trachim, like asking for our physical needs, asking for the things that we need. So he says that this is showing us the way it works. It, it's, a, it's a step-by-step process. First, you have to have the tefillah. First, we have to express our desire to connect on a spiritual level. Once we connect spiritually, then we could have the tachanunim, and then he's open, Hashem is open to receiving and being receptive to even the most mundane requests. Pasuk Zayin, Biyom Tsarasi Ekra Eka Ki Sa'aneni. In my time of trouble, I call you for you will answer me. Rav Hirsch gives us a very interesting insight into tefillah. And he says that when we daven, we shouldn't daven with an attachment to the thing that we want. Davening is not a manipulation tactic. It's not about getting Hashem to do what we say. It doesn't work that way. Very often, the exact thing that we say is not the exact thing that's best for us. Instead, we should be viewing davening as the achievement of the goal. Daven, by davening, we are achieving the goal. What's the goal of davening? The goal of davening is to connect, is to feel the Yad Hashem in our life, to feel the closest, to know that whatever's going on is decreed by Him, and that He's right near us, right here trying to help us, and that we could surrender all of our worries and all of our fears to Him. That is the goal of davening. It's an inner avoda, it's an inner work, and by davening, we are already accomplishing the goal. So we're answered. Ekra eka, call out, kisaneni. We're being answered through the davening because the davening itself is the answer, is the way to create that connection and that feeling of amuna and comfort and surrender. <clears throat> Next pasuk. Ein kamocha valokim Hashem v'ein kemasecha. 
So there's no one like you among the gods, and there's no deeds like yours. So what does it mean, Ve'elokim, in Kamocha Ve'elokim? Which gods are we comparing Hashem to, Chas Shalom, right? So it's the Mepharshim say it's the angels, and it's the luminaries. We say about the luminaries in Kel Adon, we say, Liyos Moshlem, Hashem creates them to be rulers. The, the sun and the moon, think about it. All the things that they control, the times, the day, the time of the day, the time of the month, the, the weather, the brightness, they control. Hashem put them and appointed them to be in control, to be Moshlim, to be rulers and leaders. So we're saying amongst all of these things that appear to have power in the world, in Kamocha, you're the one who controls them. You can stop anything that they're doing. They can't do anything without your permission. And this passage, we say this verse, as the Torah scroll is being taken out of the Aron Kodesh to be read in public, to show that the, the Masim that we're referring to, Ein Kima is referring to the divine teachings of the Torah. To, to, we're trying to say here that the most impressive of all of your works is this Torah that we're taking out of the, out of the Aron. Kol Gayim so he's saying here that in the time of Mashiach, all the nations that you made are going to come bow down before you. So he's talking here about his desire to see the glorification of Hashem's name, and he's saying that that's exactly what's going to happen at the end of days when the nations who are all worshiping the sun and the moon and the idols and the angels and whatever, when they see the way you rescued us from, the, from, 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 from all the nations around us, they're, they're going to all recognize and put their faith in you. And we don't wait. We don't wait for the days of Mashiach. Kali Yisrael does this every Rosh Hashanah. We crown Hashem as our king. And we and hopefully that will that will spill over. We hope that will spill over into every single day of the year. You alone are our God. What does this mean? It means that when Hashem set, you know, set about to create the world, he didn't have a Mario, he didn't have a Pedro, no Jose, right? He didn't have any workers doing any of the work for him. It was him and him alone who created the universe. Teach me your way, I will walk in your truth. So here we're going to discuss the second practical tool. So we already said then now during the month of Elul is a very, very, very good and important time to examine what are the things that, those talents that are lying dormant in us that we've been pushing to the side, what are they? And we asked, where do I want to see, two questions, where do I want to see myself with them by the next Rosh Hashanah, and what's the first action step I could take to get there? And that was, so that was talking about utilizing our strengths and talents in the service of God, and now we're going to talk about utilizing our struggles. So I was a high school teacher for a bunch of years, and every year, basically, the same message. I, I had this message that I gave over to my students, and I just can, you know, very often I'll tweak the curriculum, whatever, but for some reason, every LL, the same message came out of my mouth. And that message was that we all want to figure out what should I work on now during the month of Elul. We all choose to, you know, the Rambam says we should, we should, we should search into our deeds. So, but we, we wonder like which deeds, right? And we look for things and we say, maybe my davening needs to be strengthened. Maybe a certain mida needs work. And we're looking for different things to work on. Maybe I need to start saying with more kavana. Maybe I run away from my meal too fast, whatever it is. And we look for things. We are looking, we're looking and looking, but my message is follow the yellow brick road. 
Now, don't ask me why uh, this Wizard of Oz line came to me from, you know, I remember from a play in camp that I saw in 1992, why that line came into my head now, I don't know. But that's been my motto, follow the yellow brick road. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that stop going shopping for Kabbalos. Stop looking elsewhere. There, yes, it's so important. All those things are necessary and important, and we need to work on Shemir Salasho, and we need to work on our Midos, we need to work on our Tefillah. But very, but very often, we have challenges right in front of us. Our life is paved with challenges, with difficult emotions, with triggers, even small things that are triggering us. All of those things are there to serve us. And I tell these girls, I say, those are the things that are going to stretch you in the biggest way. Those are the things that are designed to be tailor-made for what you need to grow and change and adapt and stretch yourself out of your comfort zone. Don't go looking to, if you're, I say, I always say, if you're in a big fight with your sister, don't go looking to say alamechia by heart. Or if you're dealing with, uh, you know, a phobia that's crushing you and that's really giving you so much anxiety. Work on that. Stick to that. Find out how you could alleviate whatever is going on in your current events in your life. That's what you're meant to be focused on. Don't get distracted. When everything is good in your life, that's what you could work on all those other things that you wanted to work on. And if there's nothing going on right now, great. That's the time to pick things to work on. But follow, don't forget, to, don't get distracted from following the yellow brick road. It's all paved for you. It's all right there. So the question is, you know, maybe it was easy for Dorothy to figure out how to follow the, the yellow brick road. But for us, it's not necessarily so easy. So what's a practical way that we could do this? How do we do this? So again, I like to have my two-step processes. They're easy to remember. They're simple. The first thing that you want to do is get off of the green brick road, right? Pay attention. Look down. What color are the bricks? Where am I? Ask yourself, is there a trigger or distress or difficulty in my life that I'm currently in the middle of? Is there a, a, a difficult emotion that I find I'm struggling with? What is going on right now? And, and, and do a cheshven nefesh. How am I handling it? Is what I'm doing working? Is it alleviating the situation? So now we you know those flow charts. If yes, turn to the right. If no, go to the left, right? Those confusing charts. I'm going to try to make it easy for you, but basically that's what we're doing here. Is it working? What you're doing to help your life right now, is it working? If yes, Go back to saying Alamechia by heart, right? If no, we have to realize that it's time to go to step two. What's step two? So the Chavetz Chaim points out that very often, we, you know, there's, there's two drachim to take. We can go in the way of the Torah and do what Hashem wants, or we can get stuck going in the completely opposite direction. And very often, that opposite direction, you know, we do it with the best intentions. And we do it because we see other people doing it. And so we just follow, or we do it because I heard a shear in eighth grade, and this is what the teacher said, so I assume it applies to this situation also. Or whatever it is, what we're doing, because we're hearing a message from, from the outside, but it's not necessarily the right thing to be doing. So we have to be willing to step out of how we think we should handle the issue, especially if it's not working, and ask, Horeni Hashem Darkecha, and here's where this Pasuk comes in, Horeni Hashem Darkecha Ahalech Ba'amitecha. Show me how to walk in your truth, in your derech. We have to be willing to step out of how I think I should do it 
and, and, and turn to him and say, what do you think I should do? How should I handle this? And often that's all we need to do and we get the answers. So how do we get answers? How do we know what derech what to take? How do we know what we should do? How do we ask Hashem for the right derech and follow it? So the second thing, right, we said, if, you're, if it's not working, go to step two. So step two, after you make your cheshvan nefesh, after you determine that whatever is going on is not working, you will do the, I'll give you, this is a specific way you, way you could go about asking Hashem for help. There are, you can do whatever, however, ever, however you want to do it. But this is just a nice way that I, that I learned about, that I tried before you go to bed at night. You can envision putting your issue in your in the palm of your hand, holding it out, and to see Hashem's Shechina shining down onto it and enveloping it, and 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 having in mind and davening that He should give you the guidance that you need. So if there's a person that's involved in your issue, put that, envision that person in the palm of your hand, or whatever it is that represents your problem or your issue, should see it in your hand being enveloped by the light of Hashem's Shechina, and before you go to bed, and often when you wake up. Very often, you wake up with clarity, and you wake up with understanding. Or, or that day, or that week, somebody will say something that will clarify the issue for you. Or you'll read a book or an article that will be like, oh, this is exactly what I needed. Or, an, or, or you'll be putting apples in a bag in the grocery, and all of a sudden, the right eight-cell will pop into your head out of nowhere. Just to give you an example of this, I, I had a friend who had an issue with, a big issue with one of her kids. It was distressing her. And she saw whatever she was doing wasn't working out. And she just said, Hashem, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for you to tell me what to do. And she said that very day, she was floored by this. She called me up right after it happened. That very day, she got a phone call from a, a parenting expert who she happened to have gone to high school with. And she hasn't seen her in years. And this, her friend from high school, this parenting expert, was just asked, called her up to ask her, could you please post, she didn't have WhatsApp, so she was calling her, could you please post this ad on your WhatsApp groups? She called her for a simple request, and my friend then got to ask her whatever was on her chest, and she got to clear up a lot of issues that she was dealing with. So this is the, these are the type of things that happen. Often we just need to... We just need to access our desire for Hashem's help, and we end up seeing it somewhere in our life, often in miraculous ways. The next pasuk says, Odcha Hashem alokai bechol levavi. I thank Hashem with all my heart. And this is how we feel after we put it in His hands, and we wait for the answer, and then we see the miraculous guidance coming into our life. This is how we feel. We feel, I thank you with all my heart. And she called me this friend afterwards and she was overflowing with, with gratitude and, and, she, and amazement at how much she felt taken care of and held and guided. Okay, so to conclude and just to review what we discussed in this paragraph, we learned two major, major areas of focus that we want to start addressing in preparation for the Yom Noran. Number one, we said, We want to remember to keep the perspective that we are vehicles to be using our talents, and with that knowledge, to determine, to jump in and decide, I'm using this talent. Where do I want to be with it next year? And where do I start now? And the second thing we said was, Hashem We have to follow the yellow brick road. Hashem guides us down His path. We just need to pay attention 
and follow it and look, take a hard look at the challenges. The first step was to take a look at what, at the Cheshman and Nefesh of what I'm dealing with right now and how I'm dealing with it and is it working. And, and the second thing was to step out of what we think is the right way to handle it. And to try and and to and to just turn to Hashem in the most simple way and ask Him for guidance. And I gave a technique of putting our issue in our hand and seeing the light of Hashem coming down and shining on it, and to going and going to bed with that tefillah in our head, with that request for guidance on our mind. So now that we're using both of our, you know, we're using both our strengths, our greatest strengths and our talents, and our greatest struggles. We're using, we're, we're coming on to both of these things and using them to serve Him and to grow closer and to work on ourselves in the best possible ways. May we all be zoche to have a kesiva v'chasim tova, and Hashem should see that we have a good reason to be here this year. We got a lot. We were, we're already jumping in full force to tackle all of these areas of our life that we want to grow and improve in. Thank you for listening.